2: or what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And today, y'all, we are going to be doing something I haven't done in a long time since we way 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 back in numbers on listeners I guess like 20 months ago we might have had I don't know 50,000 listeners and now we have over three and a half million um, but I used, to, I used to do an ask me anything session and which is where lifers could send in their questions and ask me and I would answer them right if I could uh, uh, some, <laughs> some of them were a little outrageous and I couldn't answer it but you know what I'm a little bit outrageous anyway, So, but first of all, I just want to say thank y'all to everybody uh, for liking and listening and sharing us and just being a lifer, y'all. You're killing it. Patreon members, thank you so much for your support, and your yearly patron members, thank you so much for your support. I appreciate each and every one of y'all. Couldn't do the show without you. Love all lifers. You rock. And it's been... I guess two weeks since mm-hmm. I concluded the series monsters, and last week I dropped a, uh, pay, a fully bonus patron episode, and I dropped a little funny ha ha bonus to everybody. But I'm starting a new series. I, I think it's going to be a series next week. It's going to be on evidence. I don't think I, I know. I'm going to do a full blown episode on evidence next week, y'all. And it's important. And then I want to. Maybe once a month, I'm going to have y'all tell me your own evidence stories and come back once a month and we're going to tell those stories because, you know, in law enforcement, everything boils down to evidence. You're only as good as your evidence. Everything you do, whether it's taking a report from somebody on the scene or collecting evidence or testifying in court about your evidence, everything you do boils down to one thing, and that's evidence. I mean, I just, I don't know of any other way to preface it, but then to tell you that it's its hugely important. And I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you next week, I'm going to tell you a horrible evidence story that I actually worked myself. And then I'm going to do that and then come back and tell you how it can be resolved. And it, actually, it's a local deal that uh, it started with, but I think everybody needs to know about it. So, that's next week, y'all. Uh, Tracks with CNA is, is, is the name of it. So, but this week, I asked y'all to submit your questions to the Ask Me Anything. And it'll be a little bit different, y'all. That, what I'm actually doing this evening is I am just cracked open my first beer. And you, you hear me, excuse me while I take a sip. And we're just going to have sit around and have a bullshit jam session in... I'm going to read your questions, and if I don't get to your question today, then I'm probably going to stop this after an hour and then record another one, and we'll play it on another Ask Me Anything session in the future. So if I don't get to your question, I apologize about that. If I don't answer some of your questions, I apologize for that, too, y'all. If I don't answer, there's a reason for it, Um, probably which I can't go into, but no fault of my own. (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's see. So ask me anything and I'm going to drink beer and you, you might hear me open some beers or do whatever I wish all y'all were sitting around drinking with me and we just have a, you know, a face-to-face bullshit session. But since we can't, I'll try to answer some of these. And yeah, there's really some good ones. I think it's a hundred and something questions that lifers had submitted. But real quick, Courtney Coco, you just keep your prayers coming. Miss Barbara Blunt, please keep calling in the tips in I don't know if y'all got to see my post on the on the crew page, which I think is pushing what, thirty one thousand now, something like that. But I had did a post, it was in the hunt season, and I hadn't had a haircut or shave since I went to Rapids Parish and uh, Miss Stephanie Courtney Coco's mama asked me to speak at the victim's uh, memorial candlelight vigil that night and that was the last time I had a haircut and y'all that was in the September so I had the big woolly booger man look going on and I put out a thing on Facebook about you know the life where I could do my hair and and Amanda I, I, I didn't see yours until after I already scheduled this one but I, I had a you know, a a large response, but I went with Miss Crystal Falgu of Off the Top and Denim. And let me tell you something. She did a fantastic job. If you've seen the before and after picture, you'll understand. But it really was like a barbershop experience with the hot towel and the cold towel and the straight razor and just, you know, gave me. she gave me a new hairdo, y'all. I never had a hairstylist. So thank you, Crystal Falgu. Thank you, Off the Top. All right, here we go. Megan Stringer is from Greenwood, Nebraska. And Megan, I'm going to skip the first part of your question and go to the second one. It says, Megan Stringer, I'm from Greenwood, Nebraska. Other than the monsters, what is the worst case you have ever worked from the start of corrections to when you retire? Shit, I couldn't tell you, Megan. You'd have to put that in context of victims, I guess, whether the victim was a little baby or the victim and monsters being so old and such a good victim and then you have to add in the factors of who did it and in oh shit i don't know that's a tough one sweetie but i can tell you what you can hear them all and and y'all having really i just starting to scratch the surface on my what i'll call big cases <sighs> megan you would just i just have to have it in context i can tell you if you broke it down by category, I've worked a horrible one in every category from a baby to the oldest that you can get just about. And there's some bad ones. So, but you, the rest of y'all, you're going to hear the ones that you haven't heard already. You'll hear, I mean, of course, Caitlin Adell is horrible. The ones that you already know, this monsters was horrible. All of them are bad. There's no, no great. I don't guess anybody calls a detective for a good reason. Right? So, Megan, I appreciate you, sweetie. All right. Ashley Hope is from Georgia, Atlanta, hot, hot Atlanta, Georgia. And she asked, Has talking about the cases on the podcast come back to bite you during appeals? Excellent question. And Ashley, the answer to that is no. And that's because I don't cover any cases on the podcast that have any chance of being appealed any further. They've all been adjudicated, is the proper word. And y'all, no, I'm not very good at always using the proper word. But all my cases have been adjudicated. Excuse me, I took some beer. Hells, most, some of my cases, I've told you about the people around on the streets, right? So, but no, I, I would never do anything to put a case at jeopardy. And I'm very cognizant of, of that, Ashley. So, it's a great question, and I really appreciate it. Penny Gamage from Galesburg, Illinois. Will you ever do cold cases from states other than Louisiana? Let's talk about that, Penny. I would like to think so. I really would. I know that Toby Tomplay and I are going to be starting, don't call it a cold case, or actually we've already started recording. We've got the, pretty much the first season done on Miss Barbara Blunt's. but we're not going to release it until after they make the arrest in Courtney Coco's case. But it just takes so much time, y'all, so much time and so much financial effort when I started Courtney's case, I had $10,000 of my own money that I was going to put up for a reward. And I didn't because then I was on the ground in Alexandria, Louisiana for six weeks, seven total, but six weeks, at you know, living in hotels and, and you know, shit, it costs it cost a lot of money work cases. And then you got to consider that was also taken away from my regular consulting business where I travel the country to do Defense consultant as an expert witness in federal courts and law enforcement matters. So when I did Courtney's, I got some personally, and still am personally and emotionally involved in it. It wouldn't have mattered to me, but I spent you know my my own money, the money that I was initially going to offer for the reward, and and then a lot more on the, on the back end of that. But it just takes so much time. In, in so much effort now, Miss Barbara Blunt's case is different because it's in my backyard. I mean, literally, being in in from the LP in Livingston Parish, and I have other help that's local. I don't have anybody, you know, several states away, trying to play detective and and not doing me any good. I have guys that are local that you know are true homicide detectives and have actually worked more than one case in their career and they know what they're doing right so that takes a lot of the burden off of that but i mean i'd love to do cold cases from all over the united states i've actually been in talk with several television shows and i turned them down because i couldn't afford it i mean i can't afford to go do that and still do what i do now so great question I, i the answer is, yes, I, w- I want to. I would love to think that Toby Tomplay and I, and don't call it a cold case, will have success on that podcast. We'll be financially able to expand and work them all over the country. I get requests every single day from somewhere in the country, from somebody as a poor family that's hurting, just like Courtney Cocos or Miss Barbara Blunt's family. All right. So, y'all, yeah, I'm really not reading these until I'm getting on them. So, I guess I'm still raw and unscripted. And so, Jason Corkin from Central Louisiana says, Tell us about the criminal that got away, the one that got the best of you. Well, Jason, good question. I guess I should have read this shit ahead of time. I can tell you, like, I, you know, you this one guy. I stopped him when I was in uniform patrol. I was working dope. I stopped him and he got out. I got out and I would never. Approached them without having them coming back to me, but in case they jumped back in their vehicle, he ends up jumping back in his vehicle. We end up going through like two different parishes on back roads, which he knew, and I ended up in a shit pond (laughs) in my unit when uh, it had been raining. Long story short, but guys like that, they got away. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that happens. As far as murder and rapists, I don't have anything that got away per se. I have. But two cases that are very prominently known that I made arrest in, they were never brought to full prosecution. And I'm going to cover those one day when it's, the time is right in. So those, they, and they didn't get the best of me. It's just, you know, unfortunately when you're dealing with murders, you're not always dealing with you know, a bunch of Sunday school goers, if you will. Jason, uh, Foot pursuits, not a shit. I lost probably a thousand of them, right? And then and stuff like that. But generally, I try not to let people get over on me. Like one night, I stopped a, a guy and his dad for like I don't know a tail light violation or something. And the driver took off running. When I went to Pat Friskin for officer safety, and, and it's because he had dope in his pocket. And I couldn't run past the dad who was who kept getting out of the vehicle, even though I te- kept telling him to get back in. And I knew something was wrong. Right? Well, the driver runs and bolts, and then it comes back that he had a warrant. Also, the the radio dispatch hadn't got back to me yet. That the driver had a warrant, but it was riding with his daddy. And you know what I did? I took his fucking daddy to jail. I think he had a, a like a his daddy had like an expired driver's license or a no seatbelt ticket or some bullshit. And I took him to jail and I towed his truck. So at least they weren't sitting around the Thanksgiving dinner. Totally laughing about how they got over on me because he still had to make bond. The dad did. And the guy had to get his, his or the vehicle. Somebody had to pay him 150 bucks to get the vehicle out. So good question, buddy. Thank you. Carrie Heller Jasper of Titusville, Pennsylvania. One one is one thing you wish could have changed while you were still a detective whats what I'm guess you're saying what is one thing I wish I could have changed while you're still say I wish DNA would have been faster I wish DNA had been more advanced I wish DNA had been well I mean I, I'm glad we had it but man shit, it just it took forever and now DNA is so advanced and they can do it from so many different types of ways I think that would have been a real boost not only in solving cases but in, getting confessions because i could have lied a lot more to the bad guys and be like bitch uh we got your dna from your mama's daddy's uncle's plumber and uh, you're going to prison yeah so i'm thinking carrie for real though uh i wish maybe dna in technology would have been advanced to what it is now from talking to some of the guys on miss Barbara blunt's case the detectives oh my god you wouldn't believe the stuff that they have now that we didn't have back then but thank you for your question all right, so Abby Jenkins, and Abby Jenkins is from DeVille, Louisiana, which I know is up there by Rapides Parish, uh, if I'm not mistaken. says, do you wish you were still a detective or do you like telling your stories from your time as a detective? Okay, excellent question. Let me take a sip of beer. Abby, I think maybe i always wish I could, uh, I always wish I could be, Going after, I wish I could be the first person to respond to scenes and again, or maybe look at cold cases. That well, you know, I'm getting to do that anyway. Like from a law enforcement standpoint, certainly you always wish you could still be the, the guy, right? And and but from the podcast standpoint, getting to help solve Courtney Coco's case and and praying that we're going to bring a conclusion to Miss Barbara Blunt's, I love that i do like telling the stories i never ever would have dreamed i would have got into telling the stories and and you know i just didn't know that i was going to do that y'all and uh, when i know i i sit down i record and i don't use the notes and all that i know i've done a good episode when i get done telling the story and i turn off the recorder and i don't know what the hell i said and i don't know what i've said until I get it back from Toby Tomplay. Now, I, I certainly I know the facts of the story that I told, but all these Woodyisms and shit that come out, I don't know where they come from. You know what I mean? So I do like telling them, and I really love the fact that so many people see to get some enjoyment from me doing what I do now. But, yes, yeah, so I'll always miss being a detective. So thank you, Abby. I appreciate you. All right. Tiffany jones Bear. Uh, originally from Dennis Springs, Louisiana, but now living in Rome, Georgia. Tiffany, I, I lived in Chattanooga for almost a year, we, which y'all, if you're from in that area, you know that's not far apart. She says, you seem like an extremely busy man recording podcasts, interacting with fans through various social media platforms, investigating cases, et cetera. When was <laughs> When was the last time you took Cindy out on a date? Excellent question. And this is backed up by Renee Watkins. And she says, Tiffany Jones, great question. Shout out to Astropro for sponsoring this episode and providing
3: us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you?
2: <laughs> I love that. You sound, <laughs> it's that time of year there, bro.
3: I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well. Have you tried AstroPro?
2: It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? AstroPro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. AstroPro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. AstroPro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this, and you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use AstroPro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those
3: rows, playing my stuff. Get fast and... 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, real life real crime and daily show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit Rosettastone.com slash today. That's fifty percent off. Unlimited access to twenty-five language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your fifty percent off at rosettastone.com slash today. Day. Sayonara.
2: And Renee says, I'd also like to know what Woody considers a great date with Cindy. G-rated, obviously. <laughs> and Nancy Show says, Tiffany Jones-Abeard, don't you know that Louisiana? in Louisiana every marriage is interrupted by a season. I'll agree with that. And she says, ha-ha, for sure. And Renee says, welcome to the South. And Nancy says, I lived... In Louisiana, all my life, I was married. I'd probably be the one interrupting the marriage with hunting season. I mean, I'd invite him to go with me, but most men don't like to be out hunted by a girl. Just kidding. And then she put a picture. Hey, that's a nice buck. Uh, Nancy, good job for you. Congratulations. So, and and they responded on. Let me go back to the original question. I get this a lot, y'all, believe it or not, about Cindy and I. When was the last time you took Cindy out on a date? I would say... I don't know, last week, maybe. But we, Cindy and I do what we call... You're going to hear me unscrewing my beer can, if that that makes any sense. We do what we call date days. Now, that can be a a spectrum of things. Date days are generally any time that we can go and be alone together. And we'll, we'll pick a restaurant or wherever, somewhere, and go, like... I mean, as soon as we can get away alone, like at 11 o'clock in the morning and, and go sit at the restaurant and the bar and maybe eat oysters or crawfish all day and drink all day, and, and ultimately, we end up doing work anyway, especially now with the podcast. Uh, um, hold on. Trying to, y'all know these uh, beer koozies that, they're, I mean, they're great inventions. It's not a koozie. It's like a metal can you got to screw your beer into, but... That's what, what you're hearing. So we'll go hang out for a date day and, and she'll have her margaritas and I have my beer and we just, you know, get her some one-on-one time together. And there's been a lot of times that, you know, we'll have to get the kids to come pick us up or whatever, which is fine. We try to do that often. Now, we still out of date traveling. Our kids are 22, 21, 19 and like 10 and a half. And I always joke about the 10 and a half year old and say the television was broke or something, right? Or it was a hurricane and the power was out. Uh, she's going to kill me for saying that. But that's just a joke. But he, the 10 and a half year old is, is, is a boy and he has my same name. He's I and mean, technically the third. But when you're older, like we are, Cindy and I are, and you're more financially secure, knock on wood, and you've been through knock on wood, through most of the illnesses and stuff like that. You know, the drama that you go through with kids and teenagers and stuff. Hell, our son is almost like having a grandchild. And the older kids would be the first one to tell you that, you know, he, they could, couldn't got away with the shit that he gets away with. And that's just the way it is. But the older kids can also watch him, you know, for the weekend or whatever. Now, you know, before COVID – It'd be nothing. We'd jump on a plane and, and go to Vegas for three or four days, not to gamble. We'd go to, and, and stay in a nice hotel and pub crawl, go to, from bar to bar, and have date time. And, and it, well, of course, you know COVID knocked that out. So we try to do what we can do, but uh, now she she is retired and from teaching, and we are strictly 100% R L R C, And that's why I tell you, Patreon members, if we owe you something, send it. Uh, we work pretty much from the time we get up to the time we go to sleep. And in, and, uh, in between, yeah, you know, tra- social media and mailing out packages and just everything. It's a lot of different stuff, scheduling. We always try to improve on everything that we do. And then y'all, I know these, you can tell we've come so far by trial and error since we started, we need everything from sound to just bad business relationships or whatever. And we've grown, we've learned, and hopefully we'll continue to do so. But thank you for your question. I'm sure Sin will, will enjoy that. All right, so then we're coming back to Renee Watkins. She says, I'm from Memphis. Let me get a sip of beer. And currently live in Nashville. I work for Corrections at Central Office. Uh, parentheses, geeky geeky numbers slash analyst have you she asked have you ever been a trainer speaker for new potential officers in Louisiana or any other state your style would certainly positively impact morale and motivation very good question Renee I actually was the I was a. Matt Potan, who's now, uh, I think he's a captain or something for the NOPD, New Orleans Police Department, and I were the first ones for the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office to ever officially be sent to field training officer school, which was really cool. And then, of course, everybody got hired on one had to ride with us and train out with us and stuff like that. So that was always cool uh, to get, you know, to to weed out the bad ones and, and pump up the good ones. Motivational speaking, Trainers, I've, I've done plenty of training, uh, even in detectives. After I trained, you know, after I was trained, I trained a, a bunch that came up after me. Some that were great, and some that, you know, were what they were. And so, yeah, I always in, in, enjoy the training aspect. Uh, the speaking part, I still do speaking, um, not only around the country, but in Louisiana. But my, my greatest privilege recently. Uh, and it got postponed a couple times because of COVID was I got asked to speak at the peace officer of the year ceremony for the top Louisiana state trooper, the top Denham Springs police officer, the top Livingston Paris sheriff's office deputy and the, t- um, the marshals office for Denham Springs. And I was asked by Sheriff R to do that. And that was a great, great honor for me to stand up in front of that room and and talk to those uh award recipients, but the, the kicker of it was all their bosses are the guys that I came up with, right? So yeah, I appreciate you though. That the I I do enjoy the public speaking. I enjoy the I don't know something that I like. Thank you, Renee. Again, have you ever had to arrest, investigate a family member, close friend? If yes, how did you get through it, Renee? Uh, the worst one in that is is Denny Perkins, but, but I didn't have to arrest him or investigate it. But should I had to live through it, the fact that he is the turd that he is, No, that I haven't had to do any close family members or friends myself. Well, yeah, I not nothing, not for anything major. Yeah, I had I've had to arrest fellow officers before. Like Denny Perkins, but they weren't as bad as him. But like Denny Perkins, you know, if you do some shit that's so out there so bad, then, then I'm sorry. I can't help you. That's on you. And one more. You're the man that distinguishing liars from truth tellers. How does your wife and daughters deal with you? As a typical teen back in the day, i th- like to think I pulled some sneaky stuff with my parents. Pretty sure it would suck if you were my dad. But guess what? You're right. It sucked for them. And... You know, because 98.5% of what I do for a living is read people. And it it really wasn't fair for them. Not not only that, but I was probably the worst teenager in the history of the world. So I knew all the tricks. All right, let's go to Justin J.C. Creech. C-R-E-E-C-H. Justin Creech. I'm from Denham Springs, Louisiana. I would just like to know, aside from stories told on the podcast, what is the best untold story, yet? <laughs> Justin, that's a hard one. Uh, it's like the other one asked me about the worst cases or whatever, because I have best untold stories that are funnier than shit, and then I have best untold stories that are horrible, I, I can't answer, brother. I, the, the I tell you what when I do the episodes if I say this is my best, like I told you at the beginning of monsters, it's gonna be one of the worst or it was the worst single victim homicide that I'd ever seen because of all the circumstances, then I'll let you know, brother. All right, appreciate you. Uh, Alyssa Frith Reeves. Alyssa Reese from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, currently living in Par Hump Puh Hump Rump. It's spelled P A H R U M P, and she put it in parentheses. It's P U H Dash Rump Puh Rump, Nevada. I might have to look that one up, Alyssa. I've done a lot of traveling in Nevada. But I have to look that up. All right, so she's asked. Or says, because it's Mardi Gras season and I miss Louisiana so much, what is your favorite king cake flavor? Hands down, no problem There is Mine is pralines and cream. The Yankees would say pralines or whatever. But pralines and cream stuffed with extra cream cheese. Love, love, love on that one, sweetie. And what's yours? Send me a message what your favorite one is and we'll see what we can do about that. Let's see. Have you ever lost a colleague to criminal violence? This is Renee again. Were you there at the time of the crime? Mm. Renee, I'm going to skip to somebody else real quick. I'm going to actually use your sweetie, but I'm going to come back and do another episode, okay? Let's see. Brenda King-Aranda. Brenda King-Aranda from Mesa, Arizona. What case were where you had to deal with children and you change your lives for the better. That is that is a really good one. Let me get a sip. Brendan, there's a lot of them. I worked at a, a, a juvenile detention correction center before I was in uniform patrol the first time. And so I like to think that I had a positive motivation on those kids. But I can tell you on David Constance, the son that... They did all the, they did of course they raped all the kids, right? But the, um, this, the, the, the son, when he got done with a child advocacy center interview and they asked him, uh, Jennifer asked him, said, is there anything else that you, that's horrible that you want to tell me about? And he starts crying again. I'm like, holy shit, what's he going to say now? And he started to talk about how he was hungry and never had enough to eat. But I, I think about kids like that. And I know they've gone to good homes, or they, they actually went to a, a sister's home in, in I mean, they were straight-A students, and they've gone on one to do so well. I know uh, another victim that I had now is like a social worker, and I think there's a lot of them that I probably helped directly or indirectly, even though I haven't followed up with that many. But, uh, yeah. And, and I always try to really help the kids. But thanks, Brenda. I appreciate that question. Thank you so much. And John Wesley Wagner tagged Jennifer Wagner. And Jennifer Wagner says, John Wesley Wagner, this will be fun. I just love Woody. And you didn't ask me any question. So thank you all, John and Jennifer. Love you too. Super beer. Jessica Kennedy from Dental Springs. What made you decide to become a polygraphist? Spelling, was it a case? All right, so Jessica, I had always been interested in it, but I never sought it out. And they had been trying, the powers that be had been trying to get Sheriff Graves to send some of the, I guess you would say, older detectives at the time to polygraph school for a long time because Livingston Parish used to have to sub out, anytime they needed a polygraph, they had to sub it out to somebody. Well, the problem with that is, shit you need a when you need a polygraphist then it's usually the shit's hit the fan right or sugar's turned to shit and you need a polygraphist now and ultimately Mr. Kearney Foster who was the they said his chief criminal deputy but really he kinda of, he ran everything in the sheriff's office except for the civil side and they when Mr. uh what was his name this was before my time it was really close with Willie and his daddy. He was the chief criminal deputy, and he passed. Always used to hear stories about him. But anyway, when this gentleman passed, they never gave up. I think out of respect to him, they never gave anybody else the title of chief criminal deputy. But Kearney Foster would have had it, so he he just stuck with his chief of detectives or whatever it was. But he ran everything. And Mister Kearney, now don't get me wrong, he's tear my ass up, uniform patrol srt detectives whatever i mean he would tear my ass up every time i deserved it right but he also liked the way that i work and he's the reason that i made detective in like a year and a half and he's the reason that i got to go to polygraph school and he went to sheriff Gray's and said hey this is one and then and the sheriff called me in and and asked me he said would you you know want to go to polygraph school and it's like it's a long commitment and blah 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 and i was like Heck, to the yeah, you know, and uh, so I owe that to Mr. Kearney Foster, who passed this year due to complications of COVID and prayers for his beautiful family and his beautiful wife. But that's it, that's the my true decision on it is Kearney Foster. And and what he told me was, he said, Woody, and I sit and see him sit behind his desk with his fingers steepled up. And I thought I was in trouble when he called me down for something, and he and he said, you, He he. He kind of told me before the sheriff told me. And he said, what do you think about going? He said, let me me tell you this. My advice to you is you need to go. First of all, he said, you're smart enough to pass it. It's a hard school. He said, secondly, you're the investigator that can use this in combination, your skills in combination with, with a polygraph to get people to confess. And he said, the third thing is you get that license. Unless you screw it up, nobody can ever take it away from you. So, thank you, Mr. Kearney. Rest in peace. All right. um, Mary Fuller. What are the two most important things you would advise a new detective to deserve as he begins his career? Mary from suburban Raleigh, North Carolina. Love hearing y'all from all over the country. Thank you, Mary. Uh, Two most important things. How would advise a new detective to deserve as he begins his career? I would say... You've got to watch. Keep your mouth shut, and watch the older detectives. All right, and and I was blessed, y'all, I and mean, I had some of the best in the world, as in my opinion, that I gleaned from. And by that I mean I would watch. I tell you what, the only one one thing I would tell them is to keep your mouth shut and watch other detectives. Watch as many interrogations as you can, and then take. The best that you see from the different detectives or the be- best techniques or whatever you make can glean from them. and then the second part answer that question is I, I would adapt was what I did. I would adapt their methods to my style and use it to kick ass right and and that's what I did and and I, I had look, I had some characters man, my dear dad Chuck Watts it means shit that dude. He knows, anybody uh, he get excited about. Him. I call it homicide. Chuck. He loved to work as homicides, but he had some great skills. And then there was uh, Benita Sager. I, I don't know where her last name is now. I think she might be remarried. She was like thirty something years. You know, a female detective that I, I gleaned a lot of stuff from. Then I gleaned a lot of stuff from Mister Kearney. I gleaned a lot of stuff from from you know just the older detectives in adapting them to my own style. So that's that's my answer to that one. And thank you, dear. All right. Lisa Pastorek P-A-C-I-O-R-E-K from Junction City Kansas. What case made you want to go home and hug your kids? Holy shit, Lisa. A bunch of them. Hey, let's let's go different ends of the scale. Cases like the Constance and Shrimp Boat and stuff like that. They, you know, baby rape cases. Always, always, always dead baby cases. Oh, God. And dead teenagers. And like Caitlin, Caitlin Adell, when she was murdered by Mark Lewis, she was the same age as my daughter. And their names, it's Caitlin and Kate Lee. That one really made me want to go home and hug. And other than that, cases, every time I got shot at, (laughs) <laughs> Every time I got shot at, or or I had a uh, p- gun put in my face, and I was able to obviously come out alive, then then that shit made me want to go home and hug my kids. And I remember one guy that I fought; he pulled a gun on me, and I mean, literally put my face, and I got it to the side and ended up fighting to the ground. And I mean, it was a death fight in Leon Winstead who was AP4 or Albany Police Officer 4 forever, was the first one to reach me. And uh, he helped me and basically saved my life
0: One many,
2: many times. And then afterwards, I was kind of shook up a little bit. And, and he's the one that gave me my phone and he had dialed my daughter's number for me because he knew, I mean, we hung out together on days off and he knew my daughter. Uh, yeah. Good question, Lisa. Thank you. All right. So Mariana Camilla, C-O-M-E-L-L-L from MIMS, Florida. Was there ever a case that you had it all figured out, but turned out to be completely wrong? I know, not likely, but had to ask. Actually, Mariana, uh, let's see, like using a polygraph when the FBI, I forget the name of uh, what I named the episode, gave me the bad information and the girl failed the polygraph to that one question. I thought, I kind of thought I had that one figured out, but I can tell you what, Mariana, there's a lot of cases that. I would start to investigate that I would think was going to go one way and they ended up going another, you know? So as far as like one of the jumps right in front of my mind that I got like got totally wrong. And like since to prison or something, I can't, I can't tell you that, but I didn't mind being wrong. You know, I mean, it, Mr. Kearney used to tell me, son, you never screw anything up. It means you're not doing anything. So if, if I was wrong, I tell you what, I, yeah. Well, I wasn't wrong on on what happened to Jackie. I just didn't know what I didn't know. That's a horrible case, right? I mean, yeah, that one. I'm gonna go back and change my answer. Was there ever a case that you had? it I, I didn't really have it all figured out, but it turned out to be completely wrong. What happened to Jackie? I wouldn't listen to that jackass er doctor and i would have forced my way in or got a search warrant to go in while she was in the emergency room and i would have seen all these wounds on her and i could have done something different maybe but again i was a rookie yeah and another person back backed up Mary I love your question would would love to know if someone could get past woody out of there all right so evette williams from. Sheridan, California. Yvette is also a dream team moderator, a big, huge supporter of Courtney Coco. Uh, also, we love you, Yvette. Where'd you meet Cindy and where'd you go on your first date? Oh, Lord. Cindy and I met in high school. And she actually dated my best friend, and I dated hers. Uh, So first date, I don't know, but I can tell you I made her her first alcoholic drink (laughs) she ever had in her entire life. And it was a screwdriver. And it was her boyfriend's house who was my best friend at the time. A first date, I don't know. And then we ended up after all those years later hooking back up, and she's been stalking me ever since. (laughs) Not, just just teasing Cindy. Rebecca Spina says Cindy Overton. He probably read you your rights so on the first date. Uh, let's see. And then Renee says, Cindy Overton, I just watched the last YouTube live. I think it was the last one. And saw you you explain your love story. Loved it, and you look beautiful without makeup. Love it love you. Alright. And Cindy says thank you. Nancy Shows. Asking about the YouTube. Y'all, if you want to know about a YouTube, you have to Research. Go to YouTube and research real life, real crime podcast on YouTube. It can't be just real life, real crime. And we have every one of our episodes is on there. And we're still trying to edit. Uh, Cindy's getting it done a little bit at a time, editing the videos that or the episodes that are on there and putting pictures and stuff, and making it more like a video than a uh, podcast episode. Y'all yeah. so have to scroll through this because it's a bunch of back and forth. That doesn't have anything to do with Ask Me Anything. Let's see. Pull up YouTube, blah, blah, blah. Here's one I listen to. All right. So I'm going to try to get to um, one more and Then I got to get out because I had a couple on the crew page that I want to answer that I think are important. Oh, my God. Stephanie Alexandra Gibson from Watson, Louisiana says, question one, who is the absolute dumbest criminal you have come across? And question two, have you Ever had someone just lie their ass off a polygraph test? Question one. Uh, God, there's so many. There's so many. But the one dumbass who kept hiding in the same closet in that one-bedroom trailer in the middle of the country and would sneak up on the trailer, Everett Thornton Jr., I think, or fuck, he might have been a third or fourth because I arrested that whole family. But he was just, I mean... He wasn't the sharpest tool in the shit, but there's so many of them like that that uh, there's so many that I tricked into to bullshit that, uh, that I probably can't tell about. But that's a really good question, Stephanie. But I always say prisons are full of dumb criminals. It's hard to catch a smart one, right? And, and that's just a fact. Have you ever had someone just lie their ass off on a polygraph test all the time? 50% of the time, at least. And the ones I really love are the ones... And while I was in, doing them in the private business, especially relationship tests, they come in and they just lie, 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 no, no, no. And then you come back out because it's like, you fail, fail, fail. Then they turn around and they confess, well, yeah, because I did this, this, and this. And, and then go to run them again, change the questions, ask about that, and that, and that. So is there anything else besides this? Or besides what we already discussed, blah, blah, blah. And guess what? They fail again. And then they want to confess again. So, yeah, that step in happens all the time. And some people think they could cheat you or beat you. All right. So, look, I'm I'm going to do. I'm going to keep recording these. I'm going to stop right here. Donald Wayne, right? You're next. But well, what I'm going to do is go to uh, the crew page because there's some very good questions. Um, Courtney Pettit. Courtney, I hope I'm saying your name right. I know you. I know your sister is, and let's see. This is important. This is a, the El Campo babysitter charged with capital murder of a baby. And there's an article on it. Uh, and she says this is so sad. And now she came to the lives and everything, Courtney. And and, and you're awesome. And, and and she posts all the time. So I'm gonna take the time and answer a question. It says Woody. How does the DA or whoever decide these things decide on what's capital murder and what isn't? Are there certain requirements that make it a capital murder, or is it just up to whoever makes these decisions? Thanks in advance. All right, y'all. I think I think there were like a hundred comments to in response to this question. I'm gonna tell you this. It's important that you understand it, it the in the state of Louisiana, capital murder it has to have one or more than one of, of I'm, I'm going off the top of my head. Let me get a second beer. Is what we call aggravating circumstances. And evidently, I'm not drinking fast enough. I'm 47 minutes in. And I'm just about to finish my second beer. Uh, what we call aggravating circumstances. Now, in Louisiana, that's, uh, I think it's generally, it used to be 12. Maybe they moved the age to 13 or under. And that could be anything from aggravated rape to the murder, even though nobody's ever been prosecuted or only one person was ever prosecuted for the the death penalty on aggravated rape. And he didn't get it. He was out of Jefferson Parish, although David Constance should have got it. And a lot of people that I got confessions out of should have got it. But um, aggravated circumstances, it could be a rape on somebody that's over a certain age or under a certain age. Or now when it comes to murder, it is same thing. Victims over a certain age or under a certain age. Or it's a murder committed during the commission of a crime, a fel another felony, like a robbery. If I go in and rob the bank and or you know what let's do use the um Ashley Posey, that she's a she was a dumbass. Go back to the dumbass uh, criminal question: They go to rob this guy for his pills, and and dumbass accidentally pulls the trigger. And I know he accidentally pulled; it. he didn't mean to do it. The but guess what? It was during the commission of robbery. So technically, that's a capital murder, and and the he could have they could have been charged with the death penalty during the commission of a crime under or over a certain age. Uh, oh, you kill more than one person. If you go in and, and you kill multiple people in a crime, that's that could be a death penalty case. Um, let me think. Shit, I'm sure I'm missing something. But but anyway, it's got to be severe. All right. And, and by that, I mean, like, it's going to shock your senses. It's, I mean, it's got, oh, police officers. Uh, I mean, you can, it, it's there's certain requirements. Now, who makes the decision? the original decision is up to the district attorney as to in the bill of indictment all right? So as to what they're going to seek in the bill of indictment now the bill of indictment is what they take to the grand jury and try to have passed and then the grand jury comes back and says yes it's first degree murder that's that's capital murder in Louisiana the, um, it's first degree murder is we found probable cause first degree murder. Now, prosecuting that's a whole monkey of a different color, right? Prosecuting it, you you not only do you have to prove it's capital murder, but then you have the the if you find they find him guilty of capital murder or or first degree murder in Louisiana, then you have the prosecution phase, which is a whole separate trial. Believe it or not same jury members that then they get to hear uh, all the shit they didn't get to hear during the trial, aggravating circumstances, uh, um, uh, say ag- circumstances that could have made this person commit these crimes where they're abused as a kid or lifelong narcotics. Let's, uh, let's use uh, monsters. For example, had they done the death penalty they, they would have gone to that phase his defense would have been oh well you know uh i've been using dope my whole life and i'm sick and i don't deserve to die because i'm sick and i did this because i'm sick whatever right all that bullshit that they can dig up the fluff they can put up to the jury and then prosecution has to come back and say well you know what though uh Lots of people are addicted to drugs or lots of people have bad childhoods or whatever it may be. So, anyway, slot a lot that goes into it. But ultimately, it's up to the district attorney as to what they are initially charged with. I can't say that because, I mean, I could charge them based off the facts of the crime. Well, if it goes to the grand jury, it's up to the DA to... Seek the bill of indictment for other states to be capital murder. Louisiana is the first three murder. The prosecution of it generally—that's the DA meeting with the family members and deciding if they actually want to go through with it. Because a lot of family members don't—not not just because of the length of the appeals, but some people just don't think the death penalty is, is right. Me, fuck them. Uh, the—if the, you had dealt with some of the people I dealt with, I don't. Say, I'm not saying everybody. Certainly not saying everybody. But you dealt some of the people that I dealt with. You sat there and you looked in the, the face of evil, and evil never cries unless they get busted. Yeah, and they're crying because they got busted. But you look into the face of evil and you know this some bitch gets out. They going to do it again. They don't deserve to breathe air, in my opinion. But. I understand a lot of y'all out there are against the death penalty, and I get that. That's your that's your opinion. Um, me personally, I think in certain cases that certain people just don't deserve to breathe, and that's why we have it on the table. But as far as the death penalty acting as a deterrent, mm. obviously it doesn't, right? But the, so, but I believe in the ultimate punishment, and I'll get off that horse. And with that being said. I'm going to conclude this episode of Ask Me Anything. Y'all, I love to do this. Uh, It's been 55 minutes already, and I appreciate each and every one of y'all. Thank you for listening. Uh, Whoever knew that you'd like to sit around, I get to drink a beer and just answer questions, right, about my life at that. So I appreciate it, and I'm actually going to turn this off and record another one. I'm going to drink a bunch more beer, so... The next Ask Me Anything session that y'all hear will be, it, hell, it might be six months away. But when you hear it, you, you might want to listen to it because it's probably going to get pretty good. So I'm um, trying to get to the rest of these questions. I think I had 120-something questions to answer. And we'll, I'll see how far I can get. But thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And it's huge. It's huge. So let me, now I I tell y'all every week, this is where I'm supposed to say all that podcaster shit that I can't remember. So, uh, Cindy made me a list. (laughs) So I'm going to read them real quick. Oh, local business advertising. Y'all, we do it for the national commercials. If you have a local business, I want to bring it home. Like our our friends do, uh, Jim Chapman. Now he's got, I think at least two different podcasts. And then, our local musicians and stuff like that. I, I believe in local. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to make any more than we're making off the national people. And we certainly have the national people. I'm thankful for that, but I, I would love to help Louisiana if I can. So if you got, if you have a local business and we can go any different route, just hit Cindy up at Cindy at real life, real And. Follow us. Follow us. On Twitter at real life, at real life crime. I don't even, I don't even know about the Twitter account, y'all. I, I don't think I've ever been on Twitter. But Patreon, you can go to patreon.com/slash real life real crime and get two months free with the annual membership. And a lot of people are using that, y'all. We had a shit time, and I appreciate y'all doing that. But you know, when you use that annual, you do, you pay the year ahead of time, you save two months, but you also get. Your full benefits right away, whether it's my, the phone call with me, and if I haven't had the phone call, message Cindy. We'll get it set up. I've got to talk to a lot of great lifers, um, and I appreciate that. And oh, the the tip line should I should I've never said this, and I should have been saying it. Tip line, y'all is is two two five. Three nine five one three zero two. If you don't want to message in or whatever, if you want to remain anonymous, I don't care. Star 67, do whatever you want to do. But this is specifically on Miss Barbara Blunt, this case. And we want justice for Courtney and justice for Miss Barbara. And finally, last but not least, LOPA. Visit LOPA.org slash, let's visit LOPA.org. And there's a fill out the form in the how did you hear about us? Click RLRC Lifer. And then we have follow us on Facebook, Real Life Real Crime friends and fans and crew. Cindy, you should have put this in order. And then you have um, follow us on Real Life Real Crime out page. Follow us on Real Life Real Crime patron only. All right. So let me back it up because I always end with Lopa. Y'all, be a hero give the gift of everything whether it's sight or life or whatever please 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 go to lopa.org and sign up to be an organ donor and yes you can do it if you're from outside the state of louisiana Lori Steele has actually put the link on the crew page to it and the comments about lopa but it's on there there's a spot you can be from out it doesn't matter if you're from 10 buck to uh let me pick a spot on the map here. It doesn't matter if you're from the Congo in Africa and you want to be an organ donor. You can go to Lopa.org and sign the F up. All right? And uh, be a hero. And y'all, it's a nonprofit organization. I am still going to do episodes where um, victims of homicides organs save lives and 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 we're gonna do a if when I do that episode if you don't cry then you, you must be uh, the dude from monsters right or whatever so anyway that's it and I'm Woody Overton you host of real life real cry on the podcast until next time or ever don't let me catch you down on murder by peace.